Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information. Transfer funds. Create special alerts and reminders. Details at trustmark.com. Member FDIC. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, July 17th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the number of Mississippi charter schools could double across the state as three applications move toward approval. This is the spot where people have stumbled in the application process. And even though we have had several people get to this phase, we've only had a handful of approvals. In our everyday tech segment, find out if your cell phone data is really unlimited. And more budget tightening and fundraising is on the to-do list for the new president at Jackson State University. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's educational landscape could see big changes this fall. Three charter schools have made it to the final phase of the application process. The Mississippi Charter School Authorizer Board is evaluating each group's proposal for in-depth interviews with each remaining group. A third party will also review each application. The applicants will each participate in a public hearing in August. The proposed schools are located in Canton, Clarksdale, and Sunflower County. Rachel Cantor is ex- Executive Director of Mississippi First. She tells MPB's Alexis Ware what the schools could mean for Mississippi if they're approved. Right now we have three schools here in the city of Jackson. These three schools would be in three different school districts all outside of Jackson. So Clarksdale Collegiate would be a K-8 school and Clarksdale, Mississippi, the Shades of Elegance School, which would actually be called Truth Academy Steam Charter School. That would be a K-8 school in Sunflower County, Mississippi. And then the last school would be a K-12 school in Canton, Mississippi, run by the nonprofit organization SR1. So each of these schools being outside of Jackson makes them different. They also serve different grade configurations than any of these schools that are open right now. So what benefits do you think will come from having a variety of these schools? Certainly if all schools get through the approval process, which is definitely not a done deal at this point in time, the next step in the process that they're in right now is still a quality review and interview, which is the most rigorous part of the process. But if all three get through the process, it would almost double the number of charter schools that we currently have in the state. And these would be our first schools outside of the city of Jackson. So it would be opening opportunity to very different populations of students that are not served right now. What does the next step entail for these proposed schools? The first phases in the process were just making sure they were eligible, they had a complete application, and that their application was minimally adequate. Now the reviewers are going to look to see how strong their application really is 
And then based on the review of how strong their application really is, they're going to have to go through an interview process to answer any other questions that the interviewers have left over from that paper application. And then the interviewers are also going to assess their capacity to be able to carry out what they wrote down on paper. So this has historically been the spot where people have stumbled in the application process. And even though we have had several people get to this phase, we've only had a handful of approvals. So the reviewers are going to be looking at whether or not their plan is comprehensive, whether it would be likely to lead to good outcomes for students. And then they're going to be asking questions about the leadership of the school, the governance of the school, to make sure that the people actually involved will be able to carry out the plan. And they will formulate those questions based on what's actually in the proposals. Although each of the interviews will have some similar questions, they're going to be specific to the plan. So no one really knows before those schools are interviewed what exact questions they will be asked. So there's no guarantee that any of these three will make it through stage three. But obviously, if any one of them did, it would mean additional charter schools in new places. Why do you think it's important for Mississippi to have charter schools outside of just the central Jackson area? If charter schools are to have the biggest impact in Mississippi, they have to also be in school districts outside of the city of Jackson. Many of the school districts in Mississippi that are rated D or F are surrounded by other school districts rated D or F, and they're in rural areas. So all of those kids, if they want to have a high-quality option today, they either have to move pretty far away or they have to hope that their school district over several periods years can improve in the absence of a high-quality public charter school being nearby. So the ability for high-quality public charter schools to open in school districts outside of Jackson opens opportunity for a lot more kids. That's Rachel Cantor with MPB's Alexis Ware. School leaders are preparing for the next steps. Dorlisa Hutton is Chief Operations Officer at the SR1 College Preparatory and STEM Academy in Canton. She tells MPB's Alexis Ware what their team is working on. Just making sure that we relay to the independent review team exactly what we're proposing. So with that, we're just making sure everything is in layman's terms, plain, and also is executed properly. We won't know exactly what questions they will ask, but we will be prepared in that instance because the work that we do, we believe in it, uh, we're hands-on, and so it won't be anything new to us to be able to relay the true intent of our proposal. Why is it important for the Canton community to have a charter school? We've actually been working with the Canton community students, parents, for over three years now. And it was something that the students and parents that we work with and some of the community stakeholders thought it would be a good idea. We're all for helping where help is wanted. Uh, And even when we started serving Canton three years ago, it was at the request of parents. So we always are dialed into the community that we serve. And so that's why it was important because it was something that the community saw or requested, I should say. How have you been getting the community involved in the application process? We had focus groups. Um, we had meetings, again, with students, parents, I mean, just key stakeholders, those who would be involved and who would be impacted. Now that SR1 College Prep has made it into the final step, how do you feel about that? 
We're humbled to be at stage three with the independent evaluation team review and capacity interview. We look forward to the opportunity to present uh, to the independent evaluation team, and we're just excited. Darlisa Hutton is with SR1 College Prep and STEM Academy. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Amanda Johnson is a founder of Clarksdale Collegiate Public Charter School. She tells MPB's Alexis Ware more about the public hearing. The public hearing, um, which has not yet been scheduled, uh, will take place within Clarksdale. It'll be an opportunity for um, anyone in the public uh, to come and speak um, in support of Clarksdale Collegiate and also share any questions um, or concerns that um, they may have. And the Clarksdale Collegiate Board of Directors will have a capacity interview with the Mississippi Charter School Authorizer Board. Um, that interview is a, um, approximately 90 minutes long with the lead founder, myself, and the board of directors. What are you now working on to ensure that you are continuing on the right path? Well, I'm always working on engaging um, the community of Clarksdale and Tahoma County. Um, so that includes just having open public meetings, um, continuing to have one-on-one conversations with families and community members. Uh, so part of that is, is, of course, to prepare for uh, the public hearing, but it's also uh, to get a jump start on student recruitment. So anticipating, uh, we're anticipating um, that student recruitment will um, start immediately after um, authorization if we are approved. And so we want to make sure that we are finding out uh, who is interested in sending their student um, or their child to Parcel Collegiate. It is an open enrollment school, and it's a public school, so any student in Clarksdale, Oklahoma County, and adjacent districts are, are welcome to attend Clarksdale Collegiate or to apply for a spot in the lottery. And since the previous step, what has been the response of the community? The main response has just been um, interest and just uh, some in wanting to know how do they sign their child up and others just wanting to ask more questions. Um, since charter schools are new to Mississippi um, and there aren't any in the uh, Mississippi Delta, there are lots of people who just have questions and just want to know more about the school and about charter schools in general. Amanda Johnson is the founder of Clarksdale Collegiate Public Charter School. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Thank you. The criteria for applications and copies of each school's proposal are available on the Authorizer Board website. The board will make its final decision on September 11th. Coming up, Jackson State's new president speaks on getting down to business. That's after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. You count on MPB News for in-depth coverage of issues that matter to you. The state's ongoing opioid epidemic. A bill to allow guns in churches. The child welfare crisis. And the best radio newscast in the state. Those are just a few of the stories behind 10 new Associated Press Awards and another Edward R. Murrow Award. For the award-winning coverage you've come to expect, count on us. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Kevin Farrell with Wilt Cotrere and Jeremy Thompson. Today we're going to be talking about cellular service. Hello, Jeremy and Wilt. Uh, today, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about cellular service. What are some uh, things to consider when trying to decide who to go with and, and what sort of service plan to have? Well, you know, one of the first things that always comes to mind for me is what's my coverage going to be like? And and coverage and reliability, really, they're two different things. But what it really comes down to is, is your phone going to work where you're at or where you're typically at? 
I know I've seen it at my house sometimes. One particular provider will, will have a little bit better of a signal in my area than another one. So there really is, it's not just as simple as just looking for the, the latest flashy commercial or who's got the cheapest price, but you really need to look at who's going to give you what you need. And it's also not as simple as uh, going online to their website and looking at their coverage map. Actually find some people that have that carrier and pick their brains about how they like it and where they get coverage and where they don't because that will give you the lowdown all across the board. A map's not going to provide you the coverage. you got to look at the reality out there. Absolutely. So I guess you want to determine what exactly your needs are and then uh, figure out which plan fits that best. Well, exactly. Uh, thinking about it a few times, my daughter, for example, is a heavy, heavy, heavy Netflix binger. I mean, a 14-year-old young lady, yep, they can hit some data. So so for us, that unlimited data was really, really important. But it's something to really understand in that as well is that unlimited may not mean what some of us think the word unlimited means. There really do come in some data caps in there. You know, for example, we're on an unlimited plan, but after we use 22 gigs of data, all of a sudden it slows down a little bit. So you may not see the speeds there anymore. So you really want to look at that fine print. Definitely. I I even passed a billboard on the way up here and it said unlimited, but it didn't say anything about data. And I was like, "Ah, I see what they're doing now. It's very tricky the way that they pull that. And a lot of people think, oh, well, I've got the unlimited data. But then you let them know you are going to be throttled after a certain amount. And it's really not technically unlimited. Yeah, my phone plan has that. And I first signed up for it. I thought, well, that's not too bad. But to me, it really is quite noticeable. I think as technology has progressed, we've gotten used to faster speeds and quicker response from our phones and that sort of thing. And when we don't get it, it can be quite frustrating. So mine goes down to like 2G, I think. And so I'm I'm almost considering adding more to my data plan uh, to try to avoid that. Uh, and that's another thing. When you're considering how much data to buy with your plan or whatever, is it a good idea to maybe overestimate so that you always have that buffer? What are your thoughts? there. Yeah, I would say you definitely want to overestimate because those data fees, once you go over, can can be pretty crazy. So uh, definitely want to see what your average consumption is like. If you have an older device that you've been using, you can go into your settings and you can see what your actual data usage is so you can get a pretty good idea of what you use every month. And they also have family plans with shared data and you want to make sure that you look at everybody's devices and see. And pretty much all of them come with an app now that will allow you to see what those people in that plan are using. I get the text from my mother on the 24th of every month. Oh, we got the text from AT&T. We're at 75% of our data. Well, no worries, Mom. It resets in two days. So, you know, we're yeah, good. Yeah, will be good. Yeah. And you bring up estimating your usage. Like, for example, I'm sitting here looking at my iPhone. And if I go under settings and cellular, I can actually look down there and see about how much data I've used. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you can actually reset it. So if you would reset your statistics, say, for example, around your billing date, that'll allow you to look at that because you're absolutely right. It really, those overages can really get you. But one thing to consider is that your cell companies will also give you reports of what your data is. So don't be afraid to call them up and say, hey, look, what's my average over the last six months so you can right-size yourself? Also, there are ways you can find out which one of the apps are maybe sucking up a lot of your data and make some changes according to that as well. Yes. And also, uh, you want to be sure to utilize your wireless on your phone whenever you can so you're not cutting into your data plan, which a lot of people, they, they kind of go on autopilot with that and they just sort of forget about it. If there's open Wi-Fi, use it. And also, I would uh, remember, if you can bundle some services together, that's a way to save you some money as well. Definitely. Definitely. We'll talk more about cellular service on Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesday at 10 a.m. You can always send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Cotrera and Jeremy Thompson, I'm Kevin Farrell. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Thanks for listening. 
Hi, I'm Marshall Ramsey. There's nothing like sitting down with a good cup of coffee and having an interesting conversation with someone you admire. Our guest this week is MPB Executive Director Ronnie Agnew. I read a lot of newspapers every single day, and what I'm looking for is the substance. What I'm looking for is that underpinning of why there are very important issues in this country that need to be covered, and we need strong, solid journalism to make sure that they are. Sundays at 5.30 and Thursdays at 10 on MPB. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Alumni support, corporate donations, and increased student enrollment are just three areas where President William Bynum hopes his administration can build up Jackson State University's budget. The new president took office on July 1st, and he says he's focused on addressing the school's budget woes. Last year, an audit found JSU had only enough cash reserves for one week. Interim President Rod Page instituted a hiring freeze, eliminated 65 vacant jobs, cut some positions, and combined uh, departments. Some changes from the budget and recovery plan also took effect the first of the month. Bynum is not ruling out more changes. He says he enjoys fundraising. One of the challenges of higher education is that our revenue streams are limited. Uh, We have usually, again, three major sources of revenue. Of course, federal and state aid, tuition and fee revenue, and then revenue that we garner from research and sponsored programs and fundraising. Uh, So that's the tough thing. It's, It's not many revenue sources for the universities. And so what we do, uh, especially when you're dealing with state budget cuts, when you're dealing with federal budget cuts, that's where you've got to put some extra effort into fundraising uh, and to research and sponsor programs. And so what you'll see is that, again, the university has done a good job in in that arena. However, I know we can do much better. And we have to do much better in that arena uh, because we can anticipate that additional cuts will be coming, uh, whether that be from the federal state government. And so we've got to augment our budget by making sure again that our enrollment is, is robust so that our tuition and fee revenue goes up and that's why we made some of those scholarship changes so that again we can uh, enhance that number the fundraiser part is the part i'm actually looking forward to uh for the part that i really enjoy and that is because the first part of fundraising is friend raising you know uh, and so what we're going to do obviously this year is we're going to get out and meet a lot meet a bunch of folks continue getting out into the corporate and business community so some of those appointments are set up People are not just looking to give money. All right? They're looking to give money for something that's, that, that they're passionate about. All right? And so what you've got to do, the hard part of fundraising, is making sure that you match up and that you create a win-win. And so we'll be making some of those ads down the road. But I think we're gonna, you're going to see some good numbers uh, in terms of what we're going to be able to do in terms of increasing our, our fundraising uh, numbers. Since 2013, JSU has operated with an average annual deficit of $12 million. Representative Gregory Holloway of Hazelhurst is a JSU alum and vice chair of the House Universities and Colleges Committee. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier he supports JSU's plans. I think given the uh, financial situation that uh, Jackson State University is faced with, uh, it's imperative that you reach out to business and industry to help shore up some of these uh, budget problems that they have. I think when you invest in Jackson State University, you're investing in the community and the state of Mississippi. So goes Jackson State University, so goes the capital city uh, in the Jackson community. It's vital that Jackson State University remains strong in the community. And so it's imperative what Dr. Bynum is doing And so I applaud him for reaching out and uh, 
seeking help from business and industry. We were talking and you mentioned that it's going to take more than what's being done right now. What do you mean by that? Yes, uh, even though they have made some drastic changes, um, you know, it's not quite enough to uh, take care of the financial situation that they're in. So, as I said, moving forward, reaching out to business and industry and the alumni to give back to the university is the key to getting the university back strong and stable and sovereign again. One of the issues that came up were the scholarships and how some have been declined. Are you familiar with that? You know, money has been uh, dwindling in the area of scholarships for some time. Giving, uh, alumni giving is certainly uh, important and certainly uh, vital to uh, the university itself offering scholarships because when you can give scholarships, you can attract well-rounded students from uh, pretty much all over the country when you can help provide financial assistance for for the education of those students. So that's one way that universities can stay strong is being able to provide scholarships and give uh, kids that would not normally be able to afford to go to college the opportunity to do so. That's very important. And so alumni and people who just support the university should always be willing to give to keep the scholarship program strong. Now, I understand that if you're a lifetime member of the alumni, then your child could receive in-state tuition instead of -of out-of-state tuition, and that has been eliminated. Well, a lot of things have changed, but there are other options that uh, the university can look look for. There are ways that, um, I guess, contiguous states, there is a law where they can uh, waive uh, tuition for students in contiguous states that will help the university attract kids from uh, Arkansas, Louisiana, and places around the state of Mississippi to help show up some money for kids to, to be able to come to school. There are other ways that, I guess, scholarships and tuition can help aid in the education of uh, students uh, at Jackson State University. I see Jackson State in a few years becoming back sovereign and being very productive and and doing the things that they have done for so many years and being uh, such a great, uh, successful institution here in the state of Mississippi. One thing they have done when Dr. Page was there and with the committees that they put together to look at what they could do to streamline services and reduce costs, they combined departments and and eliminated some positions and put in a hiring freeze. Your thoughts on those moves? Well, those things were absolutely necessary at the time because there was no other way that you could have reduced the deficit without doing some of those things. And so in order to be more efficient and effective, those things were imperative that Dr. Page had uh, implemented before he left. There was, you know, even though they may appear to be drastic uh, initially, those things are absolutely necessary for Jackson State to be successful on down the line. Do you see more cuts coming, more drastic measures being taken? Not as drastic as we've seen in the past. But there are some other things that I do anticipate that he may be doing, and hopefully they won't be as drastic as those other things. But with the, um, I guess, the business and industry and alumni giving, 
I think that would help the university in a mighty way. And so that would help reduce some of the drastic, drastic measures that may have come without their giving. I would say that people need to be patient because Dr. Bynum will provide the leadership to move the university in the right direction, but it's going to take some time, and these things are not done overnight, and so you have to be very supportive, and you have to be uh, vigilant to the point where when you see things that may affect the university in a negative way, you have to be out there trying to do things to make sure that only positive things can be done. Representative Greg Holloway, thank you so much for speaking with us. You're welcome. Dr. Bynum says more organizational changes will be announced this week. He says he anticipated an, anticipates another major budget review in September. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs. At 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. At 10 o'clock, it's Now You're Talking. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. And join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring Trustmark Deposit Express, ATMs for business and personal banking. No deposit slips, no envelopes, no waiting. Most deposits made by 9 p.m. weekdays are credited that day. Details at Trustmark.com, member FDIC.